Well, moms, today is your day. It's a day to say thank you for loving us, caring for us, and guiding us. It's a day to recognize all you do and all you are to us, your perfect, wonderful, amazing children. Thanks for all the early mornings and for taking care of the things we take for granted. Thanks for never giving up on us, even when we stress you out. Thanks for making sure we have what we need and for giving us your heart even when you're sick and tired. Thanks for working hard even when we're a handful and for loving us unconditionally when our attitude is anything but lovable. You're our everything, Mom, and we'd be a mess without you. Today, we thank God for the wonderful gift of you. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Just want to say to all the moms, grandmas, so glad that you're here today. We just want to honor you. We want you to know that you are valued. Thank you for the endurance, that you love us without limits, that you nurture us when we needed just that nurturing at the right time in our life. But I think most of all about Mother's Day is we get to see the heart of God through our moms and through our grandmas. Would you agree with that? So would you just um, say thank you to all the moms today, all the grandmas with me? Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're here. Are you glad to be here? I hope you're on the spiritual edge of your seat. There's something God put on my heart through this passage here. Uh, we're just staying with Luke. We're staying in the gospel. If you're with us here today for maybe the first, second, or third time, just want you to know we're walking through the scripture together, walking through the life of Jesus with his disciples. I just want to say just a big shout out, especially on Mother's Day, for all that went down to Casa Hogar across the border in Mexico. We have a ministry that uh, we partnered with about 15 years ago, and it's Casa Hogar Belen. It's basically an orphanage for children. And I just want to say thank you to the team that went there physically. Now, we send a part of what you give, a percentage of what you give. We give every month to make sure that children who do not have a mom and a dad in the home, that this becomes family for them. And so I just want to say thank you to all that took an entire day to uh, love those kids. I know they painted some walls. They did some refurbishing of the orphanage. And so we're just grateful that you said, you know, I'm going to take the entire day. I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to give. So thank you for doing that. It's about following Jesus and doing what Jesus told us to do, right? What well, kind of quiet today, aren't we? We got to lift up. Zach, how are we going to just get everybody into this? Everybody stand up. No, 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 no. I also just want to say a big thank you to everyone that uh, volunteered and put some time into making National Day of Prayer happen. Thursday, we met over at the soccer field at Norman P. Murray Center. And um, I'm just so, I'm grateful for many, many reasons. One is this, we have a city, we live in a city here of Mission Vale that the city council is really behind um, what I believe, you know, the favor of God. I did a message about three or four weeks ago on the favor of God. Do you remember that? And I just believe our city is under the favor of God. And the reason that I believe that is because we've been a praying church. We've asked God to bless our city. We've humbled ourselves. And so Thursday, there was about 300 believers there. 11 churches gathered together, Bible-believing churches 
figure that, cross denominational lines, Baptist, Presbyterian, um, Lutheran, um, Calvary chapels, community churches. And it didn't matter what church you came from. It's just, we believe in Jesus Christ. And I got to say, to see 300 people kneeling down in the grass and just asking God for forgiveness, heal our land, fix our city, make the gospel known, all those things that we want to see. I'm just so happy that we have a place that we can celebrate the National Day of Prayer and most of all, God. Amen? All right, well, let's pray. God, we just come together, especially on this day, Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate the fact that you've given us new life, God. And we pray as we dig down, we drill down into the word. God, we're not looking for just another gathering. We're not looking for some kind of religious just sitting in a chair and listening to something. We want to do your will, God. We want to do what you've told us to do. We want to do it with joy and excitement and passion. And so I pray, God, as we look into something very specific that you said, God, about doing your will and being in the center of your will, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just take over this service, God. It's your service. Remove us, God. Anyone on the platform, we know, God, it's not about us. It's always about you. And I pray that you fill this place, God, with your joy, with your excitement, and God, most of all, the teaching of your word, God. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 8. Luke chapter 8. When I was in college, um, I um, listened to a rock band because my wife actually was a heavy metal uh, rock band freak. My, my wife, um, she loves heavy metal music. And so I don't know if you, some of you remember a, a band by the name of Korn. But um, I, I was watching on CNN. Amazing. On CNN, they were doing an interview and it was a split screen. I don't know if you've seen this on YouTube, but you can look it up. And uh, there was the um, lead guitarist of that band was being interviewed by this, I don't know who it was on CNN, but they were interviewing, asking him questions. And uh, the question was, how come you're not with the band anymore? And began to tell his story. And basically what happened was he was telling a backstory before he accepted Jesus Christ that, look, my life was spiraling out of control. I was killing myself on drugs and alcohol and just illicit, uh, immoral relationships. We were traveling from city to city, from town to town. His name is Brian Welsh, and his nickname is called Head. He's a lead guitarist. And I just, I, as I was watching this, I was, I was struck with the fact that I never get tired of hearing the stories about somebody's transformed life. I mean, I could sit for hours and listen to all the stories here. And I think I mentioned before that I would love for us to have a Sunday where we just take the microphone and tell what Jesus has done for you in your life and just listen to all the testimonies and stories. And so I'm listening to this story about Brian Welsh's life, drugs and alcohol, the one night stands, all the stuff that he was involved in and what happened was, in the wee hours of the morning, he didn't even know what city he was in as he was going back to this moment. In the wee hours of the morning, he stumbled literally out of his hotel uh, room, out through the lobby and into the streets. He heard some music playing on a Sunday morning. It was a church service, and it was really early. He walks into the church service, not even remembering anything about that moment at that time. He sat down, as he sat down way back in the church service, there were some people that put their arms, literally put their arms around him, brought him up to where they were sitting. And there was people that were literally loving him into the body of Jesus Christ. And because of that love and because of that moment, God, like a knife, went into his heart. And as the pastor gave the invitation, he received Jesus Christ right there on the spot. 
As soon as he received Jesus, as he's telling the story, his life began to change. He felt something changing from the inside out. He couldn't explain it. He couldn't put it into words. All he knew is he just felt different. There was a a weight, as he was explaining later, days later, there was a weight that was lifted off his shoulders. His whole life changed. And not just an internal emotional experience that he had met Jesus for the first time, but the will of his life absolutely changed. And this is how it happened. There was literally a $20 million contract that he himself was going to receive that he was previous to this experience, he was mulling over and thinking over. Now, he was the lead of the band. And basically, this $20 million contract was sitting in front of him. As that next day, after that experience of receiving Christ, he's sitting down with his band and he says, guys, I got to take a few moments. I got to think about this. And so he went back to his hotel room, kind of locked the door, stayed in there overnight. And as he prayed and as he read the word of God, he flipped open to a scripture that says, and they followed Jesus, leaving everything behind. He went back to his guys, immediately felt that God had spoke to him. And said, guys, I can't do this. He rips up the contract and the rest is history. Now, the reason that I bring that up is this. When you and I take a stand and do what God told us to do, always found in the Bible, nothing weird, nothing off the wall, always found in parallel with scripture, God blesses that moment. There is something about being in the will of God. We're going to talk about that today. But I want to talk about doing the will of God. Doing the will of God will put the favor of God in your life, I I guarantee, like you've never experienced before. I pray that today we have a passion. I pray that God wells something inside of us that says, God, I want to do your will, not because I have to do it, because I love you so much, God. You've been so good to me. Lord, you've blessed my life. You've given me so much, God. I can't even put into words. Your your, your word is unfathomable, God. There's there's no words in the English language to explain Describe the the height and the depth and the width and the length of your love for me, God. And that's why I want to follow your will. So today I'm calling this unbelievable will. I want you to have an unbelievable spirit in you that says, God, I will follow you no matter what the cost. Jesus opens all kinds of new doors for us, doesn't he? Especially on Mother's Day, we're talking today about family. What's the most important thing to moms? Family. What do you want to do for Mother's Day? Bring everybody to church. Then I want to feed my face. I want to go to a brunch. I want to realize I want to be with my family, right? Jesus speaks to that very moment here. Funny how God's word just fits perfectly on Mother's Day. We were right in this text, right on Mother's Day. Last week we talked about, remember the four soils of the heart? Jesus tells a story to many people, thousands of people. And then he takes the disciples off to the side as he describes this farmer that's throwing out the seed. And it lands on different soils. And that very last soil, do you remember that soft-hearted soil, is where God does his best work. And it's, I think it's through moms that we see that fertile soil, their heart for, for relationships, their heart for connecting with God, their heart for family. And Jesus, on the heels of that very parable, then takes his disciples off to the side as there's a question that's asked. So if you have your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 19 to 21. We're just going to read this text, and then we're going to drill down through it. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. 
Now, the reason that that is significant is because throughout the Gospels, we really don't see Jesus' family following him. In fact, um, his brothers, after um, you know, Jesus was immaculately conceived, um, uh, Mary and Joseph had other children, but we really don't see, in fact, it was James, the half-brother of Jesus, that accepted Jesus after the resurrection into his heart. Weird, isn't it? I mean, you grew up with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, can you do a few miracles over here? You know, that's probably, but they didn't believe in Jesus. But now this is significant because they want to see him. But they couldn't get to him. Why? Because of the crowd. And someone told Jesus, hey, Jesus, your mom, your mother and your brothers, they're standing outside and they want to see you. And Jesus replied this. I love this. My mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. Psalm 143 verse 10 says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Jesus is our example of doing what God called us to do. Now I don't mean to say this with any kind of religious um, 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 undue pressure, like we have to do this. This is something I'm praying through these next 20 minutes that God just wells something in you that you just want. God, I'll obey you at any cost, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how easy it is. And our example to follow that is Jesus. Amen? Jesus said in John 4, 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John five thirty. by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but to him who sent me. John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. 1 Peter 4, 2, as a result, the believers do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So, I hope there's something inside of you that's going like this. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with what the Spirit is saying today. I got to do the will of God. But what is the will of God? Are you all asking that? Okay. You know, since I was a youth pastor serving Jesus and working with kids and then working with parents and then working with adults and just working in the church for over the years, one thing I've heard over and over and over and over again, I just want to know God's will for my life. You know that? I just want to know, God, what do you want me to do? And I I just, I want to give some, some encouragement today that God's will has already been revealed. He doesn't want to conceal it. He wants to reveal it. Remember when we used to play with, uh, when we were kids, play with that magic cup game with the ball, the missing ball, and we switched the cups around? Well, this is a tough Sunday morning. Maybe we should go outside and just run around the, the, the grass area and come back in. You got to help me preach this sermon today, Okay. All right. I think sometimes we think God is up in heaven. Guess which one? And God is saying, no, I want you to know my will. Now, the question is, where do we find that? And it's simple. The word. The word already gives us his will. He invites us. He woos us. He challenges us. He doesn't want to hide it. He wants to reveal it. So let's take a look from God's word. After what Jesus said, look, if you want to be in my family, if you want to hang with me, doing my will, you're in. When we lived in Hawaii, there's a special, special atmosphere there called ohana, which means extended family. That means if you are able to humble yourself, 
they accept you. Polynesian culture just accepts you as family. And once you're family, you are in. You are in for life. And what I love about that is that Jesus invites us into his ohana. So number one is this. If you're taking some notes, God's will, number one, is for you to be saved. Right? God wants you to be saved. I, I don't ever want to assume more than two or three people in a room ever that everybody's automatically saved. I think what we think, some of us think as well, I was born in America, America's a Christian nation, I'm saved. Or, or I, I grew up as a kid, I remember Sunday school where my grandfather was a pastor. Or I remember that, you know, we had certain days where, you know, our family would pray together. And those are all good things. But I think sometimes we think we get into heaven off the curtails of somebody else's faith. And God is saying, you got to have your own faith. It's not just, well, I went to church as a kid. My parents took me to church. I went through, you know, catechism. I went through, you know, Lutheran church or Episcopal or whatever upbringing we may have had. Or maybe you're here today and you're just a good old pagan, bro. You're just, I didn't have any religious experience. My life was so spinning out of control. Man, once I found Jesus, he transformed me from the inside out, much like the story we heard of Brian Welsh. And I don't ever want to assume that that everybody's okay, everybody's automatically in. You gotta decide for yourself what you're gonna do. I've had the privilege of participating in a lot of memorial services over the years. I mean, the fact is people are gonna die and I wanna be there for people when they're hurting. I wanna be there for folks to help them to have that comfort. And I will tell you this, in all the funerals that I've ever been a part of, I have never heard anyone before they passed away and I've been, through many deathbed experiences with people in hospitals, in home, in hospice care. I've never heard anyone say, man, I wish I made more money. Gosh, I wish I would have bought that extra vacation home. Man, I wish we would have bought more RVs. And not to say that those things are bad, but I've heard a lot of people say, I wish I would have spent more time with family. One, one guy that we recently did his memorial service, you know, some memorial services are really tough and some are really easy. The ones that are really easy are believers who put their life, their hands into Jesus Christ. And I love the fact that there are people from everywhere that have come to remember and honor and just, just, just celebrate the life of, of this person. And to hear the testimonies of, man, they put their spiritual arm around me when I needed something the most, or they were always there for me. Family was number one. They love their kids. They love their grandkids. Whatever season of life, I love hearing the stories that family relationships are the most important. And Jesus says, if you want to be in my family, you got to do the will of God. And so he loves us into this experience of salvation. Jesus calls anyone, hurting, dying, lawbreakers, sinners, wrongdoers, mistake makers, misfits, ragamuffins, uh, running people running from God, people who used to know the Lord, who left the Lord. God calls everybody. There's not one sin that's too far away from God that he will not forgive us. I'm, I'm just happy about that because that means everybody's welcomed into the family of God. Anyone can be at the banquet table. Did you know that one day you are gonna be able to eat much better than In-N-Out Burger in heaven? Much better than Chick-fil-A, man. I love that food. But there is something that the Bible talks about called this great banquet feast. And the wonderful thing about it is Jesus is at the head of the table and we're just fellowshipping. It's gonna be a long table, baby. And we are there in the presence of God. Do you wanna be there? You do not wanna be separated from God. And, and, and again, I think there's a complacency that we get stuck in that we think, well, everything's okay. I went to church enough or I gave some money or that has nothing to do with it. It's all about the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ.
The Bible says in Ephesians 2.8, we are saved by God's grace through what? Faith. It's a simple childlike faith that God asks us to have. There was a, I, I, I'm, I'm fanatical about studying and reading books about um, past revivals that God has done all over the world. Since Acts chapter 2, 2,000 years ago, after Jesus had risen from the dead, the church exploded. Holy Spirit fell upon Jerusalem, and people were getting saved. House churches all over the place. I mean, everybody was talking about Jesus Christ. From that point on, after Christianity has started, there was kind of a cooling off period hundreds of years later where the churches kind of got complacent and got religious and got into their own rules. So these revivals were starting to pop up all over the world. And there was some key ingredients to the revivals. One is either one person or a small group of people saw, we can't do this anymore like we're doing it. We don't want to just have church services. We don't want to do religion. We don't want to just read some scripture and then just go home life unchanged. We want the power of God back in our lives. And they cried out for it and they asked God for it and God delivered it. Now that principle right there was a, a, a story that I heard about a guy named, catch this guy's name, Gypsy Smith. That's a little weird, but this guy was a fiery prayer warrior. And here's what he did before he went into any town and he pitched a tent and had a, what they, back in the day, they called them revival meetings, much like, you know, Billy Graham crusades. He would just give the gospel and he would, he would call church people back to repentance. And here's what he did before he went into every town. The minute he stepped off his horse and went into that town, he took a piece of, of chalk or something that resonated like this and he draw a huge circle and the administrators are going to kill me because how are we going to clean this up, Pastor Mike? I'm always causing trouble around here. I don't even have keys to the church building. They let me in. He would take. Wow, that's pretty good. Wow. I'm not even, I'm not even an artist or anything. Now here's the, this is going to seem so simple, but it's so deep. We are all outside the circle. The center of that circle represents the gospel. That means what the Bible calls in Christ. Do you remember scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 where it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, his sins are forgiven. Her sins are forgiven, right? So that means because I've sinned, I've blown it, I am outside the circle. Does Jesus want me outside? No, he wants everyone inside the circle. That requires me and you, anyone, to simply have faith to step in. It's a choice. That's why it's so simple. When Jesus said, those who do my will are in my family, those who accept Jesus Christ are in my family. And I just want to say, Jesus is always in the center, right? Because everything he did was perfect. Now that we're in, we stand in, and we are in. There's nothing that we can do to push us out. It's a guarantee for life, for eternity. Once we are in Christ, we are in because of his love and because of everything he's done for us. We were sitting at a table with some women at a recovery home. One of their names, I won't mention, but she, as she was listening to when we started the study, tears started welling up in her eyes. And uh, one of the leaders there asked us, so what's, what's the matter? Are you okay? She said, I'm here because I can't stop drinking. And the reason I can't stop drinking is because I held my baby in my hands, my firstborn, and he died in my arms. And every year... During this time, I want to kill myself. This is mom. But I appreciated the fact of just being so real. 
I appreciated the fact of just being authentic and saying, now we can bring help. And we just surrounded her and the women surrounded her and gave her hugs and cried with her. And at that moment, I just saw something happen in the heart where Jesus loves you no matter what you're going through. And he wants you with all your pain and heartache and broken dreams and all that stuff. He wants you in. He wants you in. That's God's will for your life that you're in. So my question is, are we all in? Good. If there's anybody here that has any question about that, you can accept Jesus Christ here today. Say, well, gosh, man, I've been in church for 30 years. Great. Good. You still need to accept Jesus Christ as your savior in your life, in your heart. And it's a simple act of saying, God, I am so sorry. I recognize, God, my, my failings before you. Will you forgive me? I thank you for your love. I thank you for the cross, and I thank you for your resurrection. I'm in, God. Receive me as I want to receive you. And of course he will. Okay, so number one, that we are saved, right? Number two is, God's will for you is to be filled with the Spirit, man. To be fi- that is God's will. Why do we know that? that? Understand what the Lord wants you to do do not be drunk with wine. Notice it says, don't be drunk with wine. It doesn't say don't drink wine. Okay, so we're over that stuff, right? Because that will ruin your life. How many can say amen to that? All right. But instead, he doesn't say, can't do this, don't do this, don't do that. He says, but I want something so much better for you. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 17, B through 18. Now, I want to say this. Being filled with the Spirit is not a secondary, I do not see that in the text, that it's a secondary asking. When you got saved, you got filled with the Holy Spirit. Because Acts 2.38, if you just want to jot this down, says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when you accept Christ, you've already, He sends the Holy Spirit in your life. If it's a sincere asking, God, I want... I want to receive you. He sends the Holy Spirit in your life. But as you know as well as I do, once you become saved, you become Christian, sometimes there's a cooling off. Sometimes the enemy will beat you up. Sometimes you just get back into some bad behavior. And what happens is we quench the Spirit. And so the Spirit is not strong in me like it was when I first got saved. Anyone identifying with this? And so what he's saying is, I want you to continually be filled up. It's like if you... Stand a two-liter bottle of Coke, take off the top two-liter bottle of Coke on a shelf. After days, it just goes flat. But if you take that same liter, two-liter bottle of Coke and you shake that thing up and you pop the top off, it's going to overflow. And I would say, the devil wants you to sit on the shelf, man. He just wants you to sit on that shelf and get flat. We don't want flat Christians here. We want vibrant, alive, spirit-filled Christians that are what? Overflowing on everyone else. With what? Love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what the world is looking for. Everyone's looking for that. And they're looking through money and bigger cars and more stuff and more things, possessions and relationships. And we know that we can't find that. We cannot find true fulfillment, peace, love, joy through those things. The only way we can have that is through relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you get hooked up with the Holy Spirit, man, and he's just moving, breathing, vibrant in your life. Think about this. You serve a living, breathing, active God. You do not serve a flat God that just says, do religion. Now, what is, 
what does this look like being filled with the spirit? Is it swinging from the church chandeliers back in the day when they had church chandeliers or running down the aisles and screaming and yelling? You know, if people want to do that and they feel more close to Jesus, that's cool. But I'm a little worried about that, particularly here, because if we do that and you invite your guest in, you invite your friend to come to church, you've prayed over the years, you've loved them, and they finally come to church and they go, what the heck is this place? I'm out, right? And Paul even said, we have to have order in the church. Teaching scripture, praising God, loving each other, taking communion. Those are the elements about worship. So I only bring that up to say, there's just a lot of weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit out there. And I don't want you to get caught up in that. I want you to get caught up in what the Bible says about being filled with the Spirit. So turn in your Bibles over to Acts chapter 4. I'm just going to make reference to this for the sake of time. Acts chapter 4. There's something that happened that they were literally, the followers were surprised by the Spirit. We're with Peter and John, and they're walking through the streets of Jerusalem, and they had just seen the resurrection months ago, and this is all fresh in their mind, fresh in their spirit. When they were arrested, not for domestic violence, not for raising a ruckus, not for causing riots, not for disorderly conduct within the city, they were simply arrested because they were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you remember this? In Acts chapter 4, verse 8, it says, When they saw, watch this now, the courage of Peter and John, when they saw the boldness, some of your Bibles may say, boldness and courage. Boldness and courage to do what? Get in your face. You need Jesus. You're lost. No, the love that they had. And they simply shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone that would listen. When they saw their courage being filled with the Spirit. So, evidence that you're filled with the Spirit is, God, who are you going to give me today to share the good news? God, who are you going to put in my path that I can love today? God, who are you going to put in my life that, God, I can encourage in some way? How can I help someone, serve someone? Being filled with the Spirit means that you have boldness and courage to do the will that God wants you to do. I think sometimes we just sit and what? Gosh, I just want to know the will of God. And we sit and do nothing. Or we sit and think, God, just reveal it from heaven. And I'll wait. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord means an active waiting, not a passive waiting. And I know there's a specific will. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about the overlying general umbrella will that God has for every single one of us. Number one, we're saved. Number two is what? Fill with the Spirit. Right. We're all together, right? Okay, real quick, just over at Acts chapter 8, there's a guy named Stephen who literally has been preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel. By the way, these guys are not pastors. These guys are not paid people. They're just Christians like you and me who are sharing the word of God. It got so intense by a guy named Stephen that they literally, the Jewish leaders who hated Jesus, not all of them, but some of them, were going to stone Stephen to death. And literally they had these stones in their hand, gnashing at their teeth, if you want to read in chapter 8, because they're going to kill Stephen, take him on the spot right there, take his life. He looked up to heaven. Do you remember this? This is so cool. He saw Jesus, the clouds dissipating away, and he saw Jesus. And he said, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. So a spirit-filled person is not running around loud, making a ruck. A spirit-filled person forgives. They have forgiveness in their heart. So why would, why would Stephen, at death's door, knowing that he's going to die, why would he do that? Because he was touched with the forgiveness of Jesus, right? All right, just Acts chapter 16. I, I, Paul and Silas are in prison. 
Again, not because of domestic violence, not because of their breaking the law, because they were sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people. And literally, they're in prison. And because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 16, in the middle of that prison cell, with the other prisoners listening side by side and the jailer, they start singing songs to Jesus. Why would you do that? Lord Jesus, if you just get me out of the situation, we could preach better for you. It wasn't that way. It was, Lord, if you got us here, you can use us for a reason. And if you keep us in this jail cell, we're still going to praise you. Whether I'm out or whether I'm in, whether I feel trapped, whether I hate this job, I hate that boss, I don't have enough money, my, my family hates me, uh, my kids hate me. Uh, whatever you're going through, you can praise God. Why? Because God is always consistent. He never changes. And he's worthy of our praise. And so a spirit-filled person has joy. All right, number three is this. What's God's will? This is all taken from the word of God, right? This is nothing the church says. This is not what Pastor Mike says. This is what the Bible says. This is so cool. God's will is you keep looking more like Jesus. God's will is not such a big mystery. Whether I'm working at the waste management company, whether I'm a teacher, doctor, lawyer, whether I'm uh, 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 just work at the the plant down in the warehouse, or I'm just a a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home... I would just want to look more like Jesus, God, wherever you have me for this season of life. And so, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. You are sanctified. You are set apart. You are a daughter of the king. You are a son of God. You are his prized possession. The Bible says you are the apple of his eye. He knows every hair on your head. That's number 33,638,000 piece of hair that just fell from from Casey's head. He knows everything about you and he loves you. And think about this. He doesn't just love you because I know theologically God's got to love you. He likes you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be in every sector of your life. So that screams at me. I want to do the will of God. I want to do God what you've called me to do. All right, number four is this. God's will is that we be thankful. He said we be thankful. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time with this because I live in OC land where I think I deserve everything. I think I deserve good health, nice car, nice family, big house. I I, I deserve all these things because I worked for it. We live in the land of self-made people, right? We self-made man, self-made woman. That's just all a bunch of, that's so so messed up. Everything I have have is from God. Everything that I see now, the source, it's like following a stereo wire. I just follow the stereo wire back to the source, back to the receiver, and it's Jesus Christ. He is a source of everything. So I'm learning, I'm practicing, I want you to practice with me. God's will for you is that you count your thankfulness, things that have happened to you in your life. I literally, in my journal, almost as much as I can, can, can do, not every single day, I wish I could say that, but I, I'm getting better at it. I write down the very, same, the very things that I am thankful for, I write them down because I'm a little ADD. I can't remember everything, and so I have to see it. If I see it, if I see the circle, I can get in it. If I see the blessing, I can thank you, God. If I don't see the blessing, I can thank you, God, and trust you that God's blessing is on the way. Thank you, God. One guy said after he got baptized years ago, he said, my whole life is just a big thank you card from, to God. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. And whatever I can do to help the ball club, whatever I can do to help your kingdom, whatever I can do to help you, Jesus, I'm all in. So what do we do as a result of this? I think number one is this. If you're hearing this today, we'll start with me, Pastor Mike. Every sermon starts here. 
I want to do your will, God. I want to be in the center of doing what you called me to do. And when I don't do your will or I mess up or I make a mistake or I run away or I don't feel like it today, thank you, God, that you never give up on me. And so what do I want to do? Number one is act immediately, man. Don't wait. Well, I'm praying about it. You can pray and fast till you look like a broomstick, man. When Jesus says do it, you just do it. Remember, remember Brian Welsh? Brian Welsh. I mean, you better hear from God when you give up a $20 million. Wouldn't that be great, Pastor Zach, to have $20 million in the youth bank account, right? Never have to worry about a kid going to camp. But you better hear from God when you're giving up something like that. And I believe he did. Well, he acted immediately. I, I'm, I'm so guilty of this, man, because I guess it's because of my environment, how I was raised, or we'll call it whatever it is. But I sometimes wait till everything's in place, then I'll make a decision. Wrong. Jesus says, I want you to have faith. There's nothing more than God loves in our life when we exercise faith. God loves it when you get so far out on a limb, the only thing you have to hang on is Jesus. It's just that sometimes we have to be so systematic about everything. Just launch out. If he's told you to do it, do it. If the word says do it, then do it. Do what he told you to do. Pastor Mike, do what God told you to do. Second is this, act fearlessly. Act fearlessly. Don't be afraid. You know what it says over 300 times in the Bible? It says, do not be afraid. Fear not. Why does it say over 300 times in the Bible, do not be afraid? Because we get afraid. Sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we have fear. And God knows that. He understands that. That's why he says, do not. So how do I not be afraid when I feel afraid? Go back to the word. I got to go back to the word of God. If I go back to the word of God, it sets my mind in the right place, which I set my mind in the right place. Sometimes my heart will catch up. And then that passion, that joy, and all those things that we want to have for God automatically starts to fall into place. But I think for some of us, we're so afraid to step out. And God is saying, I just want you to step out in faith and do what I told you to do. And I guarantee there will be a blessing. There will be a blessing. What are we remembering? What are we doing? Unbelievable will. His will, not our will. Back in the day, there was a a class of students that were studying to become pastors. And uh, I had mentioned this at National Day of Prayer, and I I just wanted to mention again because it's so so challenged me, so moved me to think about prayer differently. And I bring this up because prayer is the starting point, I believe, for everything that God wants to do with us. J. Edwin Orr was the professor, and he took his group of students on a field trip. Where they had landed on this particular day was John Wesley's home. John Wesley was the starter of the great and mighty Methodist church, Methodist denomination. Back in the day, I don't know if you've seen um, the uh, logo for the Methodist church, but there's a flame right next to a cross. The reason that's there is because John Wesley, when he preached, who started the Methodist church, and they were known for being so methodical in their following of Jesus... By the way, back in the day when these denominations started, they started with fire and power and people just with hearts for Jesus. They were not meant to be religions and they were not meant to be denominations and just kind of get rote and just do things the way that everybody else does them. So back in the day, John Wesley, he was the man because he was humble, he loved God, and he'd preach and preach and preach. In fact, most of the churches kicked him out of the church because he preached with such just passion and he was so you know you got to follow Jesus if you don't follow Jesus and a lot of churches didn't like that so the students studied about him and read about him and to go into his house and see where he would sit by the fireside and study and write sermons 
to see in this small little one-bedroom area, family room, and then one little bedroom off to the side. The students were walking through that house. It was time for them to go. The rest of the students were making their way back on the bus. Jay went over to notice. The professor noticed that there was one student missing. And as he went back into the house, he saw one of the students where John Wesley had knelt down next to his bed and there were two knot holes right next to where the bed was. And they said that John Wesley would spend so many hours in prayer that he made literal imprints inside of the wood floor. He prayed so much. And because he prayed so much, God used him in such a powerful way. Jay Winner walked into the room and he saw one of his students kneeling down on those same knot holes in the wood floor. As he was praying, he heard the same thing over and over again as J. Edwin Orr got closer to his student, leaned over, put his hand on his shoulder, and he heard, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Do revival again. Do something in the heart. Do it again, Lord. And as he asked Billy Graham to stand up, Billy Graham stands up and goes back to where the other students were. The reason that I bring that up is this. Everything starts with prayer. You want to do the will of God? Start in prayer. You want to receive Christ? Receive God in prayer. And so let's do that right now. Father in heaven, we're just so grateful. Grateful for your word that is so crystal clear. God, I pray that we are a body. We are a family. We are a church that just wants God to do your perfect will, God. And I thank you that you use imperfect people such as us to do your perfect will, Lord. God, I pray for anyone here, just maybe today, that, you know what, Mike, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't, I, I know who Jesus is. I went to church and all that, but I haven't received Christ into my life. And so we're going to do that right now. If that's you, I just want to ask for you to receive Christ into your life. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I'm sorry, God, for my sin. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I've done in my life. Will you forgive me? I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you've risen again. And God, I give you my heart. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision, we want to help you in that. And so we're always available right after the service for prayer. Uh, Right up here, there's also a connection place to get connected and get some information about your faith in Jesus. This last portion of the service is just simple. Jesus asked, as much as you gather, take the Lord's Supper. So remember Jesus. Why do we gather? Why are we here? Because we remember and we love Jesus. And so inside the seat back in front of you, there's some juice and there's some uh, wafer there for you just to take a prayerful moment just to remember him. Bring the things before him. Lord, bend me to your will. Bend my life, God, to make me look more like you, Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.